0: Welcome back to the Metal Exchange Justin and Chris here with you for another week It was your choice this week And we are going back to 1994 Nearly 30 years covering Stradivarius's dream space uh, but before we get there, my friend Chris, how are you doing?
1: Uh, pretty good. Um, I, I'm going to try to go this entire episode without calling it Dreamscape. So
0: that's, <laughs> that's my goal for the, the evening. I, I can't promise you that I do the same. I, I, I screw this up constantly. Um, but I got to be honest, it was for me, I had a very enjoyable week of listening. I I a couple of things came out this week that really blew me away. The first album um, that I heard was a band called My Soliloquy. They're out of the UK, and it features, um, whatchamacallit, Pete Morton as the singer and guitar player. He actually played on one or two of the old Threshold albums. Uh, and he's got um, Johan for on drums from Threshold, and he comes out with this progressive metal album, but it's really melodic and really, really catchy um I, they had come out with an album i guess probably about six years ago now called engines of gravity and i remember that album being very good and then i completely forgot about it so when i saw that this album had kind of come out i immediately grabbed it and i was really impressed i i just thought it was one of those things where the the choruses and some of the vocal lines were really really good so i would highly recommend that and another album which i recommended to you um, was an album called Arcade Metal by a guy by the name of Andy Gillian, also out of the UK, probably better known um, for his time in Moore's Prince of Est as their guitar player and songwriter. This sounds nothing like melodic death metal. This sounds like the lost video game soundtrack to like Final Fight, but just jazzed up. Uh, really, really good. He's got a slew of guests on this thing, and the second I heard this album, I said to myself, this is not only the best instrumental album that I think I've heard this year, but I immediately thought of you because of your affinity for video games. I said to myself, you're going to love this.
1: Yeah, I am looking forward to giving it a listen. I I actually did a little bit of digging, and it turns out that um, this guy's done some soundtracks uh, for some other video games, stuff I had not heard of but uh he i i I went on to find out that i had one of his songs um it was a oc remix that he did for uh, a mario kart game so apparently i was aware of him (laughs) but uh (laughs) i I am looking forward to hearing this album I, i listened to a little bit of one of the songs and i could tell immediately that it was something i was going to enjoy quite a bit so
0: for uh, instrumental albums, I know it's got to be like in that right spot or that right zone for you, but I think this is it. I, like I said, I, I said Final Fight. I think that's an apt comparison. To me, it sounds like Streets of Rage or something in that vein, but just a lot of fun and a lot of quarters being pumped into an arcade machine in like 1990 or something like that.
1: Yeah, now we just play arcade games for free.
0: Yes. Yes. It's it's funny how things have changed. Once you part uh,
1: with once you part with $1700 and then then you can play for free all you want.
0: Yeah, listen, I think it's worth a lot of I mean that's a lot of quarters, so uh <laughs> investment well spent. Uh, did you catch anything yourself this week that you listened to?
1: Um no, I don't think I did. <laughs> I just, <laughs> there you go. I, I, it's just oh my god. Um what I, I listened to, uh, to this Dreamspace album by Stradivarius, which actually kind of made me go back and also listen to Twilight Time. Um, but uh, no, not nothing really. Nothing really new, honestly. Um, other than uh, you had um, told me about uh, this uh, Mantric Momentum, which is a um, looks like it's a side project of the uh, Harroy, I believe they're brothers. Uh, I uh, one one is. Um, Terje from Pure Maze, and the other is Krister, I believe, from Divided Multitude. Um, and uh, it reminded me of something that either one of those bands would have put out. The song's called In the Heart of the Broken, and uh, they're coming out with an album called Trial by Fire. Um, I, uh, I'm looking forward to it. I thought it was a pretty cool tune.
0: Yeah, they they good songwriting on that. I think both bands are kind of in the same vein, not not terribly far apart from each other. I've been really digging the the May stuff, and and quite frankly, I, I am a big fan of the more recent Divided Multitude albums as well. So it was it was a hit for me. I'm I'm, I'm trusting that the album will sound just as good as the the single did. So good stuff, good stuff. Um, but I, I want to ask you why? What made you choose this Stradivarius album? Obviously, we've uh, done Fourth Dimension. Uh, I think it's possible that either Visions or even Destiny might have been like uh, the next guess if I had to pick one in terms of an, another album that we were going to cover. Why did you go back in time and go to Dream Space a year, a year prior?
1: Because uh, people were talking about it on our Facebook group. I like I it. mean, I, it, it was interesting. I, I think it was um, Brian who made the initial post, and then um, Mike, Mike Johnson kind of chimed in. And um, I, I think I had I had the intent on listening to the whole album like a week or two ago when the discussion came up and I got through a couple of songs and then I didn't get a chance to finish it and then that kind of made me want to cover it even more so I could listen to the rest of it because it's kind of like a I feel like it's kind of like a forgotten Stradivarius album because it's the last one with Timo Tolki. It's also the first one with uh bass player, uh, Yari kind of line Um, and it's kind of like the, in a way it's like at the end of an era because, um, you know, there's three albums with Timo Tolki on vocals. And then after this, it's all a uh, Timo Coltifalto comes in. And like you said, we have done uh fourth dimension. And I think this is a really interesting, Choice because it also kind of reminds me of a time when there were like five Stradivarius (laughs) albums, basically. So, like, you know, you I never owned Fright Night, I still to this day don't own Fright Night, but I I remember getting this and Twilight Time and uh Fourth Dimension and Episode and Visions, and those being pretty much I think I don't think Fright Night was available, I don't think we were able to get it. Um, I don't think Noise Records didn't uh it. I believe it was like on a on C- the CBS label and then it, it I don't think it was um it was out of print in the US for I don't know if it ever went back into print in the US, frankly. Um I don't even know if it's on iTunes or Spotify. It's like a weird old it came out in nineteen eighty nine, which is crazy to think that Strato goes back that far, but uh I I think I've listened to it like once or twice and it's just like kind of like, it's just a little too dated for me. Um, I feel like this, this album is, is kind of where Stradivarius, I think really started hitting their, their stride. Um, Even though there are some really good songs on twilight time, this I think is a more complete album. There's it's, it's uh, ambitious with 14 songs. Um, You know, there's one that's kind of short, but, I mean, it, it's it's 13 full-length songs. It's it's a lot of st- stuff for an older 1994 album, but um, there's a lot of really good tunes on here. So, yeah, I thought that it deserved um, some, some love, and I also figure, like, probably going forward, we're going to be aiming forward as far as Stradivarius goes, as far as... Doing a, an episode, episode, if you will. Uh, <laughs> thank, uh, shout out to Ian for that that one, and uh, a, and as well as Visions and Destiny and and Infinite and so on and so forth. Um, whereas I don't know if we're going to continue to go backwards anytime soon in the Stradivarius uh, pantheon. So um, yeah, it's interesting. It, it's kind of it, it's interesting because I remember a time where. Uh, hearing a Stradivarius song with Timo Tolki singing was just as common to me as hearing a, a song with theirs with Timo Coltipelto. And, and so it's become so uh, it's so distant now that this, there was a time where Timo Tolki was singing for this band. Um, what are your, your memories of hearing this for the first time and, and uh, getting the album and, and all that good stuff?
0: You know, I, men- I mentioned in the past how Black Diamond off of Visions was like the gateway drug for me. That was the, the song that just blew my mind, got me off the Metallica train and then onto the European stuff just because I was – I had never heard anything like it. And when I heard it, I got Visions, I got Episode, I got Fourth Dimension – and I think I played the albums just on repeat for like two years. And it got to the point where I just had to have more Stradivarius. Destiny wasn't even a thing at this point. So I found out about these first three albums, including Fright Night, and I, w- I bought all three of them. So I actually own Fright Night on CD. Ask me how many times I've listened to it. Uh, no, but kidding aside, I, I, I was you, never – Did even- you have to get it from eBay? No, I, I bought a brand new copy of the album imported and I think I spent like $35 for it. Oh, like, I'm so sorry to hear that. That was a lot of money back in 1997. <laughs> a lot of
1: money now to buy paying up for an album.
0: I mean, yeah, but it's even more when you're 16 and broke, but like nonetheless, I buy I I bought the album. I had to hear it. it it's it's collecting dust in my attic, but my my point is this album of, of those – I I was actually – for a long time, I would argue that Twilight Time was my f- preferred album of the two between this and, and Dream Space. I actually prefer Twilight Time. I didn't have a chance to go back and listen to it this week. Um, but I played the shit out of these albums. And the reason I played them so much is just because I was addicted to Timo Tolki's songwriting. And although I don't think the vocals are anything magnificent by any stretch of the imagination, I, I did – gravitate towards a lot of these songs just because especially on dream space you can hear the foundation that would become fourth dimension fourth dimension was a power metal classic and then would just start a run of fantastic albums this album is a lot more diverse this album is kind of all over the place in terms of the styles and the types of songs but the power metal classics that are on this disc may as well have been on Fourth Dimension with just crappier production and worse vocals. I mean, like, that's really what it is, in my opinion. You can hear, like, what the band was becoming. But that being said, it was it was a trip to go back because I haven't listened to this album in probably 20 years. It's been that long just because I moved on to other things. And if I wanted to get my fill of Stradivarius, I would either listen to the new stuff or I'd go back and I'd listen to Destiny. Um, but I can't tell you the last time I listened to this album, easily 15 or 20 years.
1: Yeah, it it's definitely has such a nostalgic quality to it. Um even just looking at that that cover art that looks like like somebody took a, a three week course in graphics design and and then just kind of crapped out a album cover, although it was kind of How Stradivarius did album covers back then with their like their weird jagged logo. And um, it it was, they hadn't quite reached that stylized point where I feel like visions, like visions, the, the logo changed and the, the, the cover art was so grandiose after like all these albums that were kind of bland. Um, And I don't even know what this dream space album cover Makes me think of it's just this ball floating on a on a glass cube with uh, I, I, I don't know it's it's probably not even worth talking about for as long as I just did but uh you know twilight time to me was always like. I don't know. I, I always thought that was it wasn't as it, it didn't hold the candle to Dream Space. There are there are songs on Twilight Time that are my favorite Stradivarius songs ever, including The Hands of Time and especially Out of the Shadows. I think mm. that song is incredible. But um this is this is like a solid 20 minutes longer. It feels just like like a more full album. The production's better. I don't know that the production from This to Fourth Dimension was that much of a jump. It's just that I think the vocals were so improved that it actually sounds like it, it's it's maybe more polished, but I don't know that it, it's I don't know if it's just Timo Tolki's voice or the or the production of his voice. It sounds Tinnier, um, even though I really like Timo Tolki's voice, I think he's an underrated vocalist. Um, I just think Timo has just got such a smoother, just a smoother voice. But um, it, it, I don't know that, like, I just circling back, I don't know that it sounds really that much different from Fourth Dimension. It's just I think having a different singer changes the dynamic of the sound completely.
0: I agree with the singing approach, I think to me the biggest difference is the keyboards, right? Like here they're, for the most part, except for one or two songs, which I'll get to, but we, it's kind of an ancillary instrument, whereas it's really more front and center, I think, on fourth dimension, and I think it sounds better on fourth dimension. and I think that that's a big reason for why the band got, quote-unquote, better, more popular, whatever you want to call it. They, the, the, the keyboards mixed with the vocals are took them to a new stratosphere, no, no pun intended. Um, but it was interesting to go back because my memory of this album was a little bit different than what I found myself uh, gravitating to this week. We'll get to it. Um, just by way of history, it's 1994. The album comes out on February 9th. It's Timo Tolki on lead guitars and vocals. It's uh, Antti in on keyboards two drummers on this album on different tracks, uh Tumula Sala, who would obviously be with the band for, for quite a while, and Sammy Kamaki on drums on about five tracks, uh, and Jari on bass, who, who you mentioned. Kind of uh, a very different lineup than you would see just a couple of years later, to say the least. This was like the end of an era, but at the same time, Tolkien's songwriting was clearly heading in a different direction.
1: Yeah, um, this is kind of like that, classic Stradivarius lineup kind of starting to splinter off. Um, you know, uh, the the next album, um, obviously, you know, Timo Kultipelto would become the vocalist. And, and as we talked about, when we talked about Fourth Dimension, um, Tuomo and Antti, uh, both that would be their last album. And then episode um, would kind of welcome in the I think that one of the classic, probably the most classic, um, you know, pre Tolkien leaving the band uh, lineup, or, or it might've just been their lineup all the way up until the point where Timo Tolke left the band. But that was when uh, Jens Johansson joined the fold and uh, Jorg Michael on drums. And it was uh, Jorg, Jens, Yari, and the two Timos. And I think that, that was like that classic Stradivarius lineup that I think of just because, um, that late nineties era was kind of like such a, a big time for me getting into metal. So I always think of the lineups of that time. I think of Halloween with Roland and Uli and Wikey and Andy and Marcus, like just those being such a classic time or, or the Gamma Ray lineup of that time or Ed guy, you know, like,
0: well, so these bands were delivering like consistently great album after great album at this point. They really yeah. hit their stride. And I think that's why we – first of all, it's when we got into it. But it's also kind of why we consider it the quote-unquote classic lineup, right? Because this, it was just a run of solid albums by all of the bands you mentioned. Yeah. So,
1: yeah. So this is kind of – it's almost like this is like the peak of the Timo Tolki, anti Ekonen Tuomo La Silla era – and that but it was the only album really that like they peaked and then it was over because by the next album Timo Colti Pelto was their singer. Still the same lineup more or less. Um but I think just having Timo Colti Pelto as vocalist changed the dynamic of the band in such a such a way. Um and I think that because of that, I feel like this album Dream Space um gets kind of forgotten about because for the for the the sheer Difference of not having Timo Pelto on vocals, but man, there are some some really really good songs on this album. I mean, this is a like Fourth Reich was one of the first Stradivarius songs I ever heard. Um, I remember uh, Ralph playing that song for for us back in the day, and, and I think that was the reason why I had an interest in in getting this album. I actually, I might have told the story before, but I didn't buy this album. Mike bought this album. I remember he ordered it on CD now and the package came in the mail and he opened it up. And sure enough, there were two copies in there. Uh, So he just handed me the other one. It goes, you know, Merry Christmas, uh, Christmas in July. Um, (laughs) And I was like, what a, I'll I'll always remember that. I got this album for free. Thanks to Mike Crea and CD now with a, with a, you know, shipping snafu. So, uh, but uh, then I would, you know, Get to actually listen to the rest of the album, and there's like so many. Uh, there were so many songs on this album that were just like, "Damn, this is really good." Um, maybe uh, a, there's a clunker. Uh, there's I, one, I'm going to argue there's a couple. There's one, there's one song I really don't care for. I I really do like. I, I like pretty much all the songs on the album, minus the one. Um, to to a certain degree, some more than others.
0: I'll say this: I don't think I, I don't think there's I don't think there's a ton of bad songs on the album, although I think there's a couple. I just think that there's different degrees of love and I don't love every song. I think there's a lot of songs that are good or that I like them, but I don't know that I love them. Um, I think it's a little top heavy with a smattering of good songs throughout the rest of the album. And then there's a little bit of a lull in certain places where it's like, I could take it or leave it. And you mentioned this earlier, it's a very meaty album. So when you're listening to it, it takes a while to get through. It doesn't feel like A short album it feels like a long album and i don't mean that as a bad thing i just think that if you took maybe the best 10 or 11 songs and dropped off three or four you'd have a stronger album if that makes sense sure um but let's get into it the the album kicks off with a song called chasing shadows which if you didn't know any better it might as well be on fourth dimension for for my purposes this is your standard power metal tune well done it's a good choice for an opener double bass drum on full display and a real banger of a tune. Arguably, arguably Tolkien's best performance as a vocalist on the entire album. Um, And and this is really with, I think the start of the, of the quote unquote modern or classic era of Stradivarius in terms of the formula that they would employ for the next five albums.
1: That, that opening guitar riff is just so Timo Tolkien. Like it just, it's such a distinct tone and sound. Like it just, as soon as it kicks in you just you know you're listening to a Stradivarius album um the drums sound almost like electronic like the drum I feel like the drums don't sound nearly as good as they would go on to sound I think when when Jorg Michael would join the band I think he's a better uh, drummer I mean I think
0: there's there's tracks here where where again you have two different drummers on this album and there's moments for both I guess but um I don't think the drums are the highlight here. I think it really no, just accompanies. It's
1: not a. It's not a very uh, focused instrument. And just same with the keys, like you said, I don't think that they're a big, a huge part of this album. Um, there, there are parts which we will point out, but this is a very guitar-driven album. Whereas I think, especially when Jens would join the band, it would really become a keyboard and guitar like. 50-50 effort. And I think that Timo took that magic that Jens had with Ingve, and kind of recreated it within Stradivarius, that 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 key versus guitar um, that I, I mean, like you said, Black Diamond. It was just like you fall in love with, with the band. You hear that song. Within a minute, you're a Stradivarius fanatic. Um,
0: 100%. 100%. Yeah,
1: so this is like a totally different kind of vibe because you just pop it on and just like, all right, it's just, it's a, it's a really good heavy metal, power metal, heavy guitar kind of song, catchy chorus, you know, fast, like I said, double bass, fast bass song, good stuff. It's not, I don't know if I would put it in like my top, Three or four songs on the album, even though I think it's a good song. Um, top half, it, I
0: would say, but not top three or yeah, four, in my opinion. Um,
1: I see. I, I might say this might be controversial, uh, and you um, you might disagree. I think that the first eight songs on this album are great. Like, I think to, to varying degrees, but like from Chasing Shadows all the way to Dream Space, like this is a very strong album. And I feel like, like you said, you might even if you like knocked out most of the end of the album and just like went from dream space and then cut right to shattered and wings of tomorrow. It might be a, a, a much more even album. Um, but I, I mean, I, I had forgotten how much I liked some of these other songs like magic carpet ride and we are oh. the future. And, uh, um, I'm going to
0: take umbrage with that. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, we'll, but, we'll uh, get there.
1: but this is just kind of the start of things. And then it goes into fourth Reich, which, you know, we, I think we talked about this, um, last week with royal hunt but just the idea of um being able to be a master of different tempos and this song is has a much darker and mid-tempo kind of a marching kind of vibe i mean it's called fourth reich and i think that that the sound of the song really goes along with it and i remember when hearing it for the first time in high school and being like wow this is so unlike any of the other stradivarius i've heard but yet still really fascinating and um I have a lot of uh this is probably the song I'm most nostalgic towards on this album. Sure, I agree. Um again, not my favorite song, but like really good. The um that kind of like uh twenty first century Fox drum fill at the beginning. <laughs> That's what it made me think of. I heard it in the car the other day and I was like uh waiting for Star Wars to start. Um <laughs> but uh yeah, another cool just a cool song. It starts out like really kind of um what's the word I'm looking for? Uh Eerie. And then it, and then it kind of kicks in. And um, th- there's a cool version of this on one of
0: the singles that they released later
1: on. And you could hear Timo Pelto sing this song,
0: which I thought was really neat. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm glad you mentioned it. That he, he, I think that his performance live of this song is phenomenal. And I think that Tolkien as good as he is, or as he's trying to be, he holds this one back just a touch I loved this song when we were kids. I still think it's the best song on the album. It's not my song of the week. But the pacing and the imagery and the lyrics, I mean, it is a very powerful tune. And it's very like the drumming is so simple on this, but effective. And I think it really does help drive the song. Um, It is a very, very emotional story told in what, like a, a in, in under six minutes. But it's it's a really, I mean, Reich will just kind of give it away. You can kind of guess what it's about. Um, a really, really good song. And when Colty Pelto belts out some of those notes during the chorus, he really drives the point home. It's really, really good stuff. Um, and and I, I can see why they put it towards the front of this album because you really need, you don't want this buried on the back half of the album.
1: Yeah, and uh, without getting too deep into the weeds um the lyrics are very poignant even today i think um mm-hmm. and the idea of like passing on a passing on kind of a, a crappy future to our children and i think that um you know a song like um I'm thinking of paradise from visions it feels like something that timo Tolkien has always kind of had his finger on the pulse of of, of like the, the future and taking care of the world and things like that and i think that um this song is uh kind of maybe some of the earlier example of of him kind of delving into that kind of uh content um i thought Stradivarius always had like some some really good lyrics for a band that i kind of expected maybe because they were from finland they might not have had as good of a grasp on english but um I don't know. I, I think this song is, is pretty loud and clear what it's trying to say, and it, it's a really, I think it's a really powerful and moving kind of song.
0: Yeah, no, no question. And then after two, you know, two very very good tracks, they go into Eyes of the World, which is a real gem. It's and quite frankly, it's a. I don't like the fact that they don't play this song live at all anymore, and they really don't touch this album much. Um, but the guitar tone on this one is just fantastic and it's kind of starts like a slow power ballad before it picks up and it reminds me a lot of Dokken in the sense that the both the intro and the chorus sounds like dream warriors from the um Friday the 13th soundtrack
1: Yeah, uh, it's, it's Nightmare it's, on Elm Street
0: yeah that's, what was, that's it that's it Nightmare yeah. on Elm Street it's like such a it harkens back to those movies in the 80s and like the keyboards just provide a really nice compliment um I I think the guitar solo might be the best on the album i really really enjoy it but yet it's somehow is as, as uplifting as the, it may be that it's dark in spots too and to your point maybe it's forecasting the future in many ways but i i think this is a really really strong track and and very underrated
1: this was a song i remember when i first got this album it really um called out to me like i was like wow this is really cool and i thought that um I thought that, like, again, it, it's um, uh, lyrically, like, it, it's kind of saying, like, hey, like, why are you giving me a hard time? I, you know, we're all the same. And, again, it's, it's I think it's Timo Tolkien kind of preaching for equality. I don't know if he was, like, maybe bullied, and this was kind of his, his way of coping with that. But um, I, th- I think that um, melodically, it just – it really works, the – the um the chorus uh, it, I, I want to say Mike was a big fan of the song um if memory serves he can uh, he can confirm that um if he's done doing his violin solo <laughs> um but yeah this is a really good tune uh, um I I like like I said I think so far that they're three for three as far as um this album goes uh from the start.
0: We'll, we'll make it four for four. I think Hold On To Your Dream has always been a favorite of mine off this album. It is infectiously, infectiously upbeat and catchy. And when I hear it, I almost hear like a modern day Avantasia sound. It's got like the gallop, you know, the the patented metal exchange gallop during the verses. And it's one of those songs that I think Pelto would do Pat, a lot of justice to. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. It's not really that fancy of a tune. It's just a short, sweet, enjoyable song, and it's definitely four for four in my eyes.
1: Yeah, this is my song of the week. Um, I've nice. always been—I've always been a big fan of this song. There's a very funny uh, clip if you—if you could get a hold. I think it's out of print, but if you get a hold of the Infinite Visions DVD, which was one of the first DVDs I owned, like not first music DVDs, but like literally one of the first physical DVDs that I bought after buying a dvd player and god you know that was a long time ago that was tw- <laughs> over 20 years ago but uh there's a clip of timo Tolkien and timo Pelto performing this song acoustically just sitting on two stools wow and uh timo coltipelto finishes the first chorus and the i don't know if there just was a lot of people there or whatever but there was like i guess the Timo Tolkien didn't get the response that he liked and he just goes come on what the fuck is that
0: <laughs> that's great I, you oh know, my god I've, I've never seen that DVD I, I'll
1: see if I could dig it dig up the clip from YouTube because it it makes me laugh I put it on a power hour just because I thought it was so funny that he was just like you know you could do better crowd I mean that for all we know it was the same amount of people that were there to see Eternity X open, you know, play with Ed guy um <laughs> but uh I always think of that, and it was cool hearing Timo Pelto sing this song. But I think this is one of the best uh, Timo Tolki sung era songs. No of question. Stradivarius, and I'm I'm a big fan. So uh, why don't we uh, why don't we give it a listen? TV, oh, I remember thinking even at a young age that these were really uplifting song lyrics that like you should leave the negativity that's in your past in the past and kind of move forward and that there's um, there's positivity and things to look forward to. And um, you know, like just like it says, hold on to your dream. I mean, it's, it's a really um, it's a, I think it's a really positive message Um, could also, I think be kind of considered like, you know, don't give up on love. If you're, I I think I kind of took that as a teenager, like hold on to your dream. Like, you know, um, even says like, um, this is your chance, your love, your romance. Like it's a little cheesy, but I kind of liked it. I thought it was, um, really uplifting. And, and, uh, I, 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 I look forward to, if, if people don't remember this album that well, I look forward to them getting the chance to, uh, listen to this, um, the song because it's a really good tune
0: it's a feel-good tune and i think yeah. that the album needs it because a lot of it including the second half is really dark and, and this provides a nice contrast let's talk about it takes the track- for,
1: this album definitely takes you for a ride like as far as thematically it can get like happy and, and dark really quick back and forth
0: for sure and and speaking of rides let's talk about magic carpet ride which is the next track we're, we're going to disagree here Talk about the positives of this song before I shred it to pieces. Go ahead. Please.
1: Uh, I I like I remember earlier in the week when it came out, I was like, oh man, this song. This song sucks. <laughs> but then like the more I listened to it, I remembered that um the chorus is awesome. Like the, the song is, is mediocre at best, but then when it gets into the um welcome to the land of mystery, welcome to the land of secrets, it's like oh, there's a decent song in here. The beginning of it's, like, really paint-by-numbers, mid pace, trying to sound kind of like... I have kind of a Middle Eastern vibe to it, um, which I think sometimes, while that can work, see Home by Dream Theater, um, there's other times where it sounds almost, like, kind of boring. Um, And I feel like this starts out that way, but I think that it... um, I think the chorus keeps it from being a, a ter- like a bad song. I don't think it's a great song, but um it's I think it's like you said it it kind of fits I think fit after this really like fast-paced uplifting song, something a little bit more dreary, I guess.
0: A rebuttal counselor?
1: <laughs> Please. Uh
0: you hit you hit a lot of the points that I was going to make. This is not knights of arabia by camelot right like this is if you this is not the best version of that middle eastern sound my issue with it though is not for any of the reasons you stated we all we often talk about keyboards being either a primary instrument or a perfect complement to the track here it's not the primary instrument But it doesn't provide the compliment. It actually overwhelms the tune for me. And like it's actually distracting from the rest of the song. I think that the keyboards, the cheap keyboards, the sampled keyboards overpower the rest of what might otherwise be a decent track. And it completely takes me out of the moment on this one. And I think that when you combine that with the fact that Tolkien is trying too hard to sing well on this track, he almost sounds whiny. He takes me out of the moment completely. I am not a fan of this song. If you haven't guessed,
1: yeah, I, I see. I think that it, I think it redeems itself more towards the middle, like the chorus. I think the key, the keys do actually complement the song, and I think there's the there's more keys in the in the solo parts than I think in a lot of this album. Um, it's just that like that kind of meandering. Intro that like you hear it and you're just kind of like ah oh, here comes another boring power metal uh you know styling of, of some Middle Eastern song that they're gonna you know inevitably
0: screw up yeah mi- 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 <laughs> uh, they're not I, I yeah I, I...
1: but I mean I think it I think it redeems itself it's not it's it's not my favorite song on the album but it I ended up liking it a hell of a lot more than I remembered liking it I I think if you had asked me what do you think of this song before this week? I would have pretty much given verbatim everything you just said as my response.
0: Fair, fair enough. <laughs> um, moving on as fast as I can. We are the future, the next track. This is another track that could have opened the album and it's your, kind of your classic power metal tune with the double bass drum and everything else, but could have the ended drums. the album
1: too. It
0: would have been I, a I, like, I agree ended that. Too. This, this song is really good and I actually like it better than chasing shadows. I think it's a little more diverse and there's a little bit of a, almost like a legions vibe to it, where it's like a precursor to what they would actually sound like on, on, on visions in certain parts with a song like legions. This is an underrated song and the bridge, does the bridge remind you of anything? Because I kept hearing the bridge and saying to myself, this is a tribute to blank.
1: Uh, I will listen to it right now. And I will tell you, um, it does sound, very familiar. I'm going to uh, say it. Yeah, tell
0: me. Keeper of the Seven Keys, the song. Okay. I just, I hear, to me, this may as well be a Halloween tribute song, but as good as it is, it's a good song, and it's well done. I actually was close to naming it my song of the week, but I'm going to go with something else. But I, I thoroughly enjoyed this track.
1: Well, it's funny you should mention that, because they literally mentioned Future World later on, on this album, yep. which I'm sure we'll talk about. But um, Yeah, this is, a, this is again, like, these are the songs that I gravitated towards when I was younger, when I was kind of diving into this older Stradivarius stuff. Is these really upbeat? Like, I mean, I guess it's really not that different than what I like now, just like <laughs> upbeat power yeah. metal that sucks you in that you like right away. Again, it's, um, again, it's Timo Tolkien, um, you know, writing these lyrics about, see, you know, like, uh, making sure that the earth is, is still here in the future. I feel like this is something that he's always felt really strong about. And this is again, um, more of this, uh, you know, let's stop destroying the world, whether he means that in a political sense or a, or a nature sense or whatever it may be. Um, but then he does it in such a catchy kind of, uh, melodic sort of way. But, um, now I'm hearing it. Yeah. The keeper of the seven keys. When you said bridge, I was thinking of, um, before the first chorus. Um, oh not no, the, no. Later yeah. on. I, I should have. Yeah. made that Oh clear. yeah. Yeah. Um, this was definitely lifted from, uh, the great Michael Wykath. But, um, I, I think that Timo Olli's lovingly would borrow from Halloween. It, it was almost like Stradivarius was a, like kind of a, a marriage of Halloween and Ingve. Um, in a lot of ways, especially the, these early times. But, yeah, oh, my God. I, yes, absolutely, absolutely true. Um, but, yeah, agree. Um, really, really good song and, and very upbeat leading up to a song that is not so upbeat.
0: Yeah, oh, yeah, no, no question about it. Tears of Ice starts off like the cave theme for Final Fantasy, right? Like it just <laughs> almost has like a video game quality to it. It's, I mean, flute solo and all, right? It's it's a ballad it's whimsical. It is definitely not my favorite song on the album. It's, it's, it's drawing the listener in, and you are waiting for the payoff. You are waiting for the the big spot, and it just kind of never happens. So it's, it's, it's like a love hate thing I have with this song. I like it, but I am I want more, and I don't. I never get it. But it's the first true ballad on the album, and it certainly has its place. It's just not my favorite because I when I think of songs like "Forever" that are going to come out a couple of years later, I mean that's a ballad
1: yeah um yeah this is i still really like this one i I mean i i I, you know me in ballads like this was a song i really loved at the time and and i it's just such ham-fisted lyrics like it's not subtle like someone broke this man's heart and he wrote a song about it yes uh
0: no no, no, (laughs) no 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 argument there
1: yeah it's not subtle but um Sometimes that's okay. Sometimes you just need to get slapped in the face with a ham um, to to really get what happened to you when when your heart was broken and your your tears turned into ice. Um, I mean, this could have been in a video game. Like you could have fought like a uh, an ice monster who literally cries tears of ice that freeze you, and then you. Uh, I don't know. Just thinking, maybe Pete Sanzone wants to make that that RPG finally <laughs> after all these years. But uh, it's it's fine. I mean, I think it, it's I think it's well placed. Stick it right in the middle of the album. It shouldn't. I'm glad it wasn't like the last song. Like we're gonna end the album with like this really kind of cheesy like early '90s power metal ballad. But I kind of like the song. It's it's um I don't know. It's it's heartfelt in in kind of a. a you know, beat you over the head with it, sort
0: of way. Right. Uh, it's 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 different. Uh, I'll will leave it at that. It it brings us to Dreamspace, not Dreamscape. Dreamspace, <laughs> yep. the title track.
1: I haven't said it yet.
0: I'm very impressed, <laughs> but I want to hear your thoughts on this because this is a really interesting track that I completely forgot about, and I'm wondering if you had the same experience.
1: Yeah. So I I always thought it was fascinating that this was. Um, I want to say this was the only song on the album that was included in the the Chosen Ones uh, Best Of that came out, I, I want to say, in 99. I think it was, like, everything from Visions and before, I believe. I don't think there was anything from Destiny on there. Um, and this was the one entry from Dream Space, and, and so I listened to it a lot because of that. Um, I look back on this song, and um, this, is, this might have... This might have been number two for me um, as my favorite song. Uh, it's it's awesome. Like it, it's I finally believe. finally you're getting the you're getting a, a song that starts with prominent keyboards, which I think so far in this album has mostly been guitar driven. Um, it's this like s- this wacky space, just like out of your mind, like. It's it's the 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 whole part where things slow down and it's like I'm losing my mind. Oh my god, it's such a ride. I think it's such a great song. I love this song.
0: It's like the proggiest song that they had done up until this point in their career for a non-prog band, and they cram so many ideas into a song that's under six minutes long. But they do a good job with it, and like it's a really diverse track the keyboard effects here are really good, really chilling and haunting in a way. I don't even remember this track, even though I played this album so much. And when I went back to it, I'm like, this song is fantastic. This is, this is one of the best songs on the album. And, and quite frankly, even though it's not going to be my song of the week, I think I got more joy hearing this song for what seemed like the first time. Like your, your pick of the week was well settled on me just because of this track.
1: Awesome. I was, uh, I was making dinner the other night, and I told um, I told my uh, HomePod to play Dreamspace, thinking it would play the album, and it just played the song instead. Nice. And then it, I went down this rabbit hole of it, like really well curated power metal songs by different bands that followed. But um, I, it just the song came on, and it was like super loud, and I was just getting so amped listening to it. I was like, man, this song is just awesome and then this whole like part where in the middle where it just gets like so freaking whacked out like and it's interesting somebody had mentioned um that this was maybe like the early times of of timo tolke kind of um exploring maybe some of his mental health issues that would become well documented over the years. And this song is very much explaining somebody who's kind of maybe losing their grip a little bit. Um, And and it's just so well done. And it's cool that um, it was paired with like one of the better songs on the album, rather than like the lyrics being placed on like thin ice, for instance. (laughs) And then you would forget about it because the song sucked um this i mean the the slowdown like the oh my god the 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 way that it kind of builds back up again towards the end um it's really good it it kind of i think is a little bit of a a preview of what like twilight symphony would be on the next album where it 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 feels like there's a lot of different elements to the song like you said kind of like in a proggy sort of way um so yeah um definitely a big fan of the song. I'm glad to hear you are too.
0: Yeah, I, I I am. But then then the album takes a real turn for me. Uh or at least for uh, before picking up towards the end.
1: Oh, let me I ask have, you this. What, yeah. what did what is the what is the beginning of this of Reign of Terror make you think?
0: Oh, of? 100%. I ha- I mean, if this is not Sirens by by Sabotage, I yep. don't know what is. <laughs> I mean like and, and I was going to mention it. So I'm, I'm glad you brought it up or or alluded to it. This song isn't good. The riff is fine. The verses are boring and the chorus is repetitive. And quite frankly, it's like a poor man's sirens, like I said. And it's just missing Chris Oliva with his like ridiculous guitar riffs and missing John Oliva on vocals. But this could have been on, on a Sabotage album 10 years prior.
1: Yeah, it's. I, I don't hate it. I just think that after like eight pretty good songs, I think this is like. I don't know that it's any better or worse than Magic Carpet Ride, I guess. But I guess after like Dream Space and and I don't know, there's just so many good songs. This song is just very middling,
0: pedestrian. It's, just, it's a pedestrian. Yeah, it's tune. a
1: good. It's a good song. It's but that's all yeah. it is. Like it's the the chorus is is uninspired. Um It's just there. It's just a song. It didn't need to be here. Um,
0: No, and and if you cut it off, the album, I think, gets it's addition by subtraction. And speaking of which, we get to Thin Ice. Why? Why do they have to include tracks like this on their albums? This time, (laughs) I I, I don't like Reign of Terror, but I despise Thin Ice. The vocals are weak. It's repetitive, and it's like creepy to a fault. You know, I listened to the track a number of times this week. I don't know that there's a redeeming part of this entire song. I think the whole thing sucks. The only thing I can kind of lend credence to, or, or give credit to, is the outro. Kind of cool, but even that's not perfect. This track is terrible. It's like the zero three zero three six six of of Dreamspace. This track sucks. And like, I, I call it call it where credit you know call it where it's due. You got a sixty minute album just. Get rid of this shit. And all of a sudden, the album gets better. Uh,
1: I, I have a theory. Um, I, I think like... Timo Tolkien is such a... He was so down to earth and he was so modest. He wanted to remind everybody that he was a human being and not a master of fantastic, can't-miss songwriting. So in each album, he would lay an egg <laughs> and leave it there for all the world to smell. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I, 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 I probably... I don't know if I would listen to this 10 more times, if I it would be any better or worse for me. I just think it's like kind of meandering zombie noise as to quote George Carlin.
0: Yeah. I, it's uh, well, well said by you and, and the, the, the legend George Carlin. Um, Though I do believe
1: he was referring to Steely Dan when he said that.
0: But. <laughs> um it's, it's like the band almost recognized it because right afterwards they put in this one minute instrumental track, which it's honestly the palette.
1: it's the palate cleanser.
0: It's, but it's, <laughs> I'll tell you something in its own way. Atlantis is one of the best songs on the album. It is like clinical in its approach to the guitar. And it's, I love the guitar tone. It's just a nice little piece of music that kind of breaks up the album a bit. And honestly, I wish it was longer. I thought it was just a great little piece of music. It's it's well executed.
1: Yeah, this used to be like um, always in contention for when I would make a mixtape and there was only a little bit of space left at the end, and you only had room for like a minute and a half of a song. Don't let the
0: tape go to waste. Yeah,
1: like I mean, that was. I I think Ralph had done that on the very first tape that he made me by adding. I think the last song was like "Sorrow" by Ingve, which was only like maybe a, like a minute and 45 seconds or two minute song, but like made for a good outro and it just fit on the very end of the tape. You don't want to just have to sit there listening to silence like an idiot. Um, so that's kind of what this reminds me of. Just short, sweet to the point, good stuff. Um, like you said, it would have made, uh, made for a good full length song. And then uh, so... Do we do we redeem ourselves now that we're back to uh, the the proper songs we have three songs left to go and, and abyss is uh where we're we're uh heading back and and you know when I think of abyss I think of a guy in a mask with a bat wrapped in 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 nails um, <laughs> I
0: knew you were going to go there it was yeah. too easy
1: yeah. um shout out wh- to Joseph Park
0: <laughs> <laughs> This is a cool song this this has like a haunted mansion feel to it and it picks up kind of nicely a little bit underrated. It's not my favorite song on the album, but I would say it's probably somewhere in the middle. Um, very, very simple but effective bass lines that really kind of pop on this. And it's the first time I've mentioned the basslines on the album. Um, it's a tad repetitive, but it's a good tune. I I like abyss. I don't love it, but I like abyss.
1: I think that for whatever reason, that whole um, the chorus just takes me back to high school. And I don't know mm. why. Like I don't I don't remember hearing it other than in high school and i also it's it's hitting me now and i don't think i ever really noticed it before but like timo Tolkien, his voice is like a, almost like a higher pitched ozzy in a lot of ways it's got oh kind of like dude a, i
0: am so happy yeah it's got that.
1: A, an ozzy vibe to it um he's the Finnish ozzy osborne
0: i <laughs> was going to say the exact same thing regarding the next track shattered i think this is like a Judas Priest song with Ozzy on vocals. It's really, really fast and it reminds me of like modern day primal fear in that sense. Um it's good verses, not the most remarkable chorus, but memorable and it kind of sticks in your head. And Tolkien hits some really good notes on this one. He reminds me of the finished version of Ozzy on spots on this record. Like you took the words out of my mouth this is a really interesting track that's kind of buried towards the end of the album. I I'm a fan of Shattered.
1: Yeah, it's it's kind of I think another kind of paint by numbers kind of song the way Reign of Terror was, but I think it's just a better, a better version of a paint by numbers song. It's just a really good tune. It's got that classic um that classic just Timo Tolki guitar riff to kick things into. Uh, into oh my god I forgot about that high note about an, a minute and a half in
0: holy shit <laughs> yeah it's like where did that come from where have yeah. we been hiding out on us I don't think he ever
1: did that one live but um <laughs> yeah this was
0: I thought this was not kind sure of he a, did it in the studio
1: yeah yeah that's fair point I'm, you know little audio, audio sweetener never hurt um, this is kind of a cool tune to kind of um, as the penultimate song on the album which um, I think finishes off really strong. I had a feeling this would be your song of the week, unless it's full moon, which I don't think it is.
0: Um- it's not. <laughs> Here's my wings of tomorrow is my song of the week. But before I talk about that, why did you think it was going to be my song of the week? Other than the fact that I hadn't selected anything yet. <laughs>
1: um, I, I figured if it wasn't in the first if it wasn't going to be... dream, By the time we got to Dream Space and you didn't pick anything, I was like, it's got to be this, because really, nothing else on the rest of the album really comes close, in all honesty. Um, I, um, You know what? Did- I'll tell you something. Um, I think Tommy Johansson was a, uh, a big fan of this song, because if you ever listen to the song Future Land, which he wrote, like... I think it was from the Rainseed demo, and it never saw the light of day until he re-recorded it with Majestica on their debut album. You can definitely hear um, the 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 influence of this song, but um, that just super majestic keyboards. It's um, I, I think that they go that in this direction again with We Hold the Key on Fourth Dimension with that that sound where it just sounds like this triumphant royal march um this was this could have been uh my song of the week as well i I put it with dream space and uh hold on to your dream as the the big three on this album
0: let's uh let's give it a listen and then i'll 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 give in my thoughts in a a couple oh had mentioned that this was a meaty album this is a really good way to end it it has this really epic keyboard intro and it's very very spacey sounding almost like an arian or something like that but it's this anthemic conclusion to this album that i i always say to myself this would be the song that if they were to play live during this era they should have ended the live sets with this song just because it's so powerful and there's something so simple about the verses and then all of a sudden the guitar kicks in and it's just so catchy i love this song and it has a bit of an 80s hair metal vibe but it's still i i i think it's a really solid track it's my song of the week and then of course there's this bonus track that's kind of tacked on to the end full moon um another track where tulki is doing his best homage to our homage to, to ozzy not not as good. A decent acoustic guitar on this one. Um, but the vocal effects really do leave something to be desired. And it actually reminds me, and this, you may think I'm crazy, but it reminds me of like an, a psychedelic Alice in Chains. And I'm just not into this one. <laughs> um, so my story about
1: this song, I guess story would be being a little too generous. But uh, again, going back to the um, the Chosen Ones album, I, I, I believe I had asked – my parents to buy me this compilation for uh, Christmas. And back when I didn't really own a lot of CDs, I didn't really want to own a lot of greatest hits albums when it was stuff that I mostly had. But this was the the big draw was that it was going to have some Japanese bonus tracks that had never been released in the U S before. And keep in mind, this is, you know, before you would just go on to Napster and download the one song rather than buy the album you already have again for thirty dollars. And I remember, like, okay, here we go, Full Moon. Never heard this before, and I was like, oh my god, this song is so mad. Like, <laughs> it's just kind of like a a kind of like a snoozy kind of like I don't know. It, it, it talk about Arion. This this is this is like one of those um those like slower mid-tempo arion songs only without the, the talent it's just, yeah i just don't think it's a very good song and uh i never really considered it part of dream space until just ripping it from the chosen one cd and then tacking it onto the end <laughs> of the dream space on my itunes but um it's a quote you in ralph's basement when um MVP missed his cue coming out. This never happened.
0: <laughs> well said, and and, and a, a fitting tribute to the album. I will um, say
1: this: um, t- you you made me very curious uh, with you you know mentioning um, the band playing live. So I decided to pull up a track list from 1994, a set list, I should say, just to see what um, Stradivarius was playing at this time, where they literally had three albums to their name at this point um but they they opened the show with shattered believe it or not really and they end the show with chasing shadows <laughs> wow go figure uh, all right yeah th- they also played um fourth reich dream space magic carpet ride uh reign of terror tears of ice and we are the future so um nice selection from this and then they kind of uh sprinkled in some uh actually only three other songs from the previous albums fire dance and fright night from fright night and hands of time from twilight time and then they played the song stradivarius which at that point hadn't been released yet uh it's the instrumental track from uh, fourth dimension so i thought that was interesting but um boy i I wonder if anybody's got a bootleg of that because i'd love to see uh, a Timo Tolki fronted Stradivarius bootleg. That would be very cool.
0: I am with you. I morbid curiosity is is definitely taking over here. Um, I have two questions for you this week. This is normally where I say give me your your score on on a scale of 1 to 10 and I'm I'm obviously asking that as well. But my other question is going into the week does the number you're about to give it stand up to the number you thought you were going to give it?
1: No, it's higher that i thought i would i would if i'm being honest um it just had been so long since i listened to this thing start to finish but um in all honesty like just take out thin ice and pretend there was never a bonus track and and this is a, a damn good album start to finish for me um so i have it at a i have it at a I'm at an 8.375. I was wavering, <laughs> between, wavering between 8.25 and 8.5, uh, but I felt one was too low, one was too high. So let's go 8.375. Um, man, I think that it could have been a little bit higher if maybe they trimmed the fat a little bit. Um, if this was maybe like an 11-song album um, and they just tightened it up. But uh, like I said before, it, it, I think it was... Um, bold it was a bold album to make a 63 minute power metal album um after like their last album was like 40 minutes um it's i think that this is uh the beginning of of really seeing Stradivarius kind of come into their own and and you know you can go back and listen to our fourth dimension uh episode to to talk where we talk about the follow-up album but um I have a lot of fond memories of this uh, album, and, and I'm glad I got to go back and, and listen to it again because I think uh, it really reminded me how how good it was, and really how important it was in the um, in the history of the band.
0: It's uh, well well said, and I'm not going to argue with any of that. I, it was just a little bit lower for me, and I'll say why. Going into it, I had preconceived notions of and, and the fond memories and the nostalgia, so I thought the album in my mind was better than it actually is now that i listen to it um i I think that there it's 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 all over the map Uh, there's certain songs that i'm not fond of i I mentioned a couple of them obviously there's other songs that are good and there's certain songs that are fantastic but when you put it all together as the total package it's a seven for me i think i probably going into it would have said it's about a 7.5 maybe a 7.75, but I'm going to give it a 7. I definitely enjoyed parts of it. It's above average for sure. It's just that there's certain dead spots which I just couldn't get over with despite multiple listens to to the disc this week. So that's what we got. It's a 7. At some point, we really should do Fright Night just for the hell of it because I think it would be an interesting exercise. Um, Like I said, I I have not heard that album in 25 years.
1: futility or...
0: Yeah, that's, that's, that's to be determined, I guess. Um But yeah, moving away from Stradivarius for a second, a couple of news items, which I think are definitely noteworthy. Uh The first, some sad news, Keith Menzer has passed away. And for those that don't know who Keith Menzer is, he's the brains and, and, Braun behind power mad which was a festival in baltimore maryland in the late 90s that was really the precursor to prog power which we talk about so often on this on this show um he was also the founding member and guitar player um the bass player rather and keyboard player for a band called mystic force which had some popularity in the progressive scene in the early 80s and they had a bit of a resurgence in the 90s obviously with power mad i'm not totally familiar with the mystic force stuff I've, I've listened to some of it but it's been some time I'm, I'm, I'm no expert but just a real sad story to hear someone so young pass away um, who is so influential in something that you and I are obviously a big part of with the with with going to prod power every year so some sad news and some happier news um, something you brought to my attention uh, Testament is Without a drummer, again, I feel like we announce this constantly, but this time it's for a short run of shows that they're doing uh, on the West Coast. You want to they're tell? Turning into,
1: a, they're turning into. They're turning into Spinal Tap.
0: Yeah, it's, it's comical in a way. <laughs> um, but as they hit the road with Exodus, Exodus and Death Angel, they have a very interesting drummer joining them for for this run of shows. You want to tell everyone who it is?
1: Uh, I would like to. I would like to. Yes. Okay. <laughs>
0: Well, I'll tell you, it's actually it's it's interesting. Um, they are being joined by Chris Dovis from Seven Spires, which that's I would have. I was, never, that's what I was going to say. Yeah, I I, I I had a feeling, um, and I, I would have never guessed that. I mean, a talented drummer, no question, but I never thought of him as a thrash guy. But they recruited uh, they recruited him to, to play drums on this tour, which has me curious. I, I'm sure he'll do an admirable job. But uh,
1: I'll tell you, I'll tell you what has me curious. Like, where does Testament get? like wind of seven spires drummer and say like, this is the guy we want to have come on tour with us. I think that that speaks volumes for the band and, and the oh, talent totally. involved.
0: I mean, you're talking about a band that has had some like who's who of drummers over the years. And now they're bringing in, um, they're bringing in Chris. I, kudos to them. I think it's a very bold move. So I'm, I'm, I'm impressed by that. Um, I wish him all the best. And one other, uh, piece of news, which is really fascinating for me, and I'm going to fall on the sword here. Merciful Fate announced their first U.S. and North American tour in over two decades with Creator as direct support. Uh, Creator. (laughs) Kicks off October 25th in Dallas, ends November 16th in Atlanta, um, doing a West Coast swing and then coming back East before finishing in the South. Merciful Fate is a band that I know nothing about i know king diamond i have a lot of his solo stuff i've listened to that i am woefully ignorant um when it comes to this band and as a result i've kind of made the executive decision that in about two weeks we're going to cover um we're going to cover some merciful fate i won't reveal the album at this point but i think we're going to get some special guests to join us when we do our merciful fate episode i am really excited to kind of delve deep into this band because i just don't know um enough about them so i i I will just kind of let the cat out of the bag that's going to be in two weeks because i just don't know anything and i feel like it's timely
1: um i know less than you so uh there you go yeah it's definitely going to be a real lesson for me um but yeah i'm looking forward to it and uh i always enjoy a, a guest so a guest or two so uh yeah that'll be uh That'll be good, but um more in more current affairs. What are we talking about next week?
0: So I was going through the archives, right? And I was going back. I'm like, this is episode what, 112 or something like that. And I was this, was, this
1: at, is, is one thirteen.
0: It's one thirteen. See, yeah. I, I I even even I'm behind. I was looking back and I know we've done a lot of power metal and we've done a lot of prog. We've done prog rock. We've done, you know the monkeys we've done green day we've done, we've done a lot. We've done black metal. We've done melodic death metal, but there's a genre that we just haven't touched. And I think it's, (laughs) Oh God, we're going to do an album. We're going to do our first death metal album, but hear me out. I think, I think, I think you might actually like this. I am not that familiar with the album, but I have, I know a couple of songs off of this particular release and it's good enough that Epica has covered this, band and a song off of this album. So if Epica can do it, you're going to be able to stomach oh, it. 20- tell me it's
1: after forever.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not quite. This 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 album um, is widely regarded as one of the best death metal albums of all time. And it actually is known because it has some proggy elements to it, which for our purposes might redeem it in your eyes. But we're actually going to do the band Death, and we're going to do their 1995 uh, release, Symbolic. Um, I am really curious to hear your thoughts on this album, um, yeah, Chuck Schildner's Brainchild, uh, with with the song Crystal Mountain, which like I, like I said, Epica has covered that song both live and I think even the studio as well. Strap in, bud. It's gonna be a good. It's gonna be a good week.
1: Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, yeah, listen. Listen. It, it's. Uh... The three, the next three weeks are going to be a lot of uh, a lot of new, a lot of new stuff for me. Uh, even though it might not be that new uh, in in the world, um, I'm going to be learning stuff.
0: So new, new to you. So we got we got yeah. death on tap next week. If I haven't Merciful, heard it. It's new to me. <laughs> Merciful fate the following week, and then we go way back into the archives for uh, our, our, our our October uh, request of the week so we got some good stuff ahead and then you'll be finally able to pick an album in mid-october
1: yeah hopefully a month will be enough time for me
0: to come up with something, <laughs> and, and to cleanse your palate from all the shit i made you listen to over the last couple, i know i'm gonna have to li- i'm
1: gonna have to listen to atlantis like 16 times
0: <laughs> yeah. uh it's it's a cal- it's a palate cleanser uh to everyone out there we appreciate the love and support we look forward to uh releasing more uh, uh podcasts in the future and i wish you nothing but a, a fun week as we strap in and listen to some uh Classic Florida death metal.
1: Yeah. Well, the next time we uh, next time we talk, uh, you will no longer be in your
0: thirties. So, <laughs> mm. thank, thank, thanks for the reminder, kid. I, I appreciate that. Um, yeah, it's 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 going to be an interesting week, to say the least. I look forward to seeing you in person and then recording some uh, some death next week.
1: Yes, we have a uh, a live uh, production meeting on Friday night at at a at a local bar. So, <laughs>
0: <laughs> which is why we're doing this episode in advance yeah. of in advance of that. We have so.
1: our we have our three uh, our three producers will be uh, joining us to uh, hopefully uh, you know tell us what we should be doing. Uh, Brian will probably come up with some grandiose ideas that we don't have the time or money to uh, <laughs> to make happen, but. Uh, yeah, we, and, and Nick is going to tell us that we are way better than we really are. And, uh, and Mike is going to play some uh, air violin like old times. So.
0: Looking forward to it. Here's the 40. <laughs> I will uh, talk to you soon, it enjoy. Have a safe trip down, and we'll, we'll talk soon.
1: All right. Take care. <laughs>